Hey guys, if you're digging this content, then I want to personally invite you to join our community and join us live every single Monday at 5.30 Central Standard Time. We host what we call our King's Council Growth Calls. Again, every Monday at 5.30 Central Standard Time. Now, these are our calls in which you can actually participate in. We have a variety of guest speakers that range from business experts to church leaders. We coach on leadership, entrepreneurship, and finances. So join us every Monday, 5.30 Central Standard Time, and get to know the community of like-mindsetted kingdom entrepreneurs. Text the word KING to 727-472-3860. Again, text the word KING to 727-472-3860. I look forward to meeting you live Mondays at 5.30 Central Standard Time. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I am in. If you're on video, you notice we're in a little different location today. We're down in Dallas. Well, Fort Worth, I guess. What do you go by, Dallas or Fort Worth? I go by Keller, actually. Keller. Texan. Doesn't matter. We're in Texas. <laughs> we're in Texas. This whole area is huge. It's huge. It takes an hour to get anywhere in this dark it metro. Does. It does. Uh, but, man... We're in Christian Edwards' house right now. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. And it, I'm, we're just going to, I'm going to preface this. It is late. It is. Late at night here. But we, um, to be truthful, we're on a deadline to get a podcast <laughs> to our our uh, production team to, to get this aired for this coming week here. And uh, we've been meaning to do this episode for a while. And we thought, man, what a better time. Uh, we've had an incredible day just hanging out together. Scott's mm. in town, um, some new business partners in town, and um, we're going to kind of do a little roles reverse. We are. With this episode here, and uh, Christian's going to, what are you going to do? You gonna interview Drive me? the ship. Yeah. Drive the ship here. So I'm, I'm going to just sit back. Sit back. I'll let you uh, do your thing here. All right. Hopefully I've learned a few things as to how to interview somebody with all the times you've interviewed me or not even interview, just you just kind of yeah throw these headsets on and start chit-chatting. But yeah, um, what I have found is that a lot of people have listened to the podcast and have heard my testimony, which was episode number two, which feels crazy? like... A decade ago, but probably about a year and a half ago, it was crazy. So, um, and I know you, people know bits and pieces of your background and your history, your testimony. uh, But I thought it was only fitting that we could get an episode in where you could kind of share your entire testimony, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I've heard it a bunch of times. You share it mostly from live on stage when, when we do live events. But I thought it'd be great for the listeners to actually hear more about you um, you're so selfless and so humble. You oh, don't often stop, brag about your, <laughs> you don't stop. often brag about yourself. Um, so yeah, man, I wanted to honor you in this episode and cause it, it's not just so people would know it. It's a good blueprint for others. Cause you are a very successful entrepreneur and I would, I would deem you successful, not just by the world's standards or measures, but 
in God's eyes, I believe God would deem you to be very successful because of what you do for the kingdom. Kingdom, excuse me. Yeah, yeah thank you, brother. I mean, I, that means a lot. It really does mean a lot. Can we just open this thing in prayer, man? Yeah, man. Yeah. Usually you're the one saying that, but roles are reversed here. Right. You're, right? you're, the, the, spiritual, you're the spiritual one. spiritual advise you on this episode. Oh, man. You want to lead it or do you want me to? Go ahead. All right. All right. All right. Well, if you're listening, driving the car, keep your eyes open. Uh, but listen along mm. and stand in agreement with us here. Because, uh, Father God, we just we come to you, Lord. Um, we know this. Uh, the evening that we're recording this is, is uh, it's getting late, God. But we just want to. Uh, show up in excellence, and uh, we just want to bring honor and glory to you, Lord. And I pray for those that are listening to this episode, uh, God, that you give them ears to hear, and mm. and um, that we could just be witnesses for you, and and uh, just be vessels to to ultimately glorify you, Father. So use us on this episode right here, right now, God, as we just make ourselves available to you. In your name, we pray. Amen. 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 Good stuff. So one thing, first thing off the bat that I think is just awesome, because me being somebody who, um, you know, even in the midst of my addiction, I worked a W-2 blue collar job for all those years, you know, a job that kind of enabled my addiction. Uh, but for you, your history at a W-2 job lasted a couple of hours. Yeah, about correct? eight hours. About eight hours. <laughs> about eight hours. Yeah. So, so uh, let's just start where you're from, uh, kind of family upbringing, and sure. um, even how you got into that eight-hour yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. So grew up in South Dakota, for those that didn't know. Um, South Dakota is a great place to be from. <laughs> um, uh, and no offense to to those that still live there, um, it really is it's a great place. God's country, right? Maybe maybe not you live down in here in Texas. No, this is God's country right. down here. Yeah. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. I did notice he has some chaps, guys. And <laughs> some, I don't know. I'm not sure what him and Lucy got going on, but not. <laughs> you looked at the back? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, for, that's, for, that's just for Lucy's eyes yes. only, my friend. Yes. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> um but anyways, uh, back to growing up. So I, um, I'm the youngest of three. My, I grew up in South Dakota, as I mentioned. Um, my folks got divorced at the age of five. And I, I really kind of consider this my maybe maybe kind of start to a career in marketing, I guess, mm. or, or sales. Um, and really just understanding at that point in time, really probably kind of manipulating situations. Um, and it's easier for me to look back now, but I really think at that young age, you know, if you've grown up in, in a divorced home, it's not fun, right? Mm -hmm. Even at, at, you know, a young age, um, I remember, you know, certain, a lot of great things, but certainly some, some negative things. But the biggest thing I think that, that I remember the most of was, was not really, whenever I'd be with my mom, I, I would want to make sure that my dad knew that I missed him and mm. I didn't want him to think that I was, I was at, at a young age choosing my mom over him. So I would sneak away. I remember hiding in the, in the closet when we still had cords on our phone and, and mm. you know, trying to call him. Um, and then at my dad's, I remember crawling under a bed to call my mom mm. to tell her I missed her and loved her. And, and, you know, when you're in it, you don't really know the, any difference, but, right. um, certainly it was one thing that I just made a kind of a vow to myself of that. I would never put my child through this. Mm. Um, which, you know, we all know kind of, well, maybe those that don't listen yet know how that kind of wound up, but, uh, it was, a you know, back and forth, back and forth for a number of years, but at the age of 15, um, 
that's what you were referring to from my job. I, I, I'd lived with my dad at this time mm-hmm. and, uh, I thought, man, I'm going to, I need to get a job, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go get a job. Wasn't anything that my folks asked of me, but, uh, it was something that I just wanted to do. I, I, my dad had actually purchased a car at the time that allowed me to drive. Um, but I wanted to put gas in it, take mm-hmm. my girlfriend to the, you know, the nearest Walmart is 45 <laughs> minutes away. So baller. Uh, yeah. Right. You know, we're going to go have a go shopping, have a good old time, find the local sizzler. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to contribute and, mm. and I worked one eight hour shift. Minimum wage at the time was $5 and 15 cents an hour. Mm. Um, you know, it's crazy how you remember that. Yeah, I do remember. I remember yeah. looking down on this paycheck and thinking what in the world, yeah. um, and yeah, it was, you know, you can do the math in your head to take out taxes. I was like, there's no chance I'm going to do that again. Mm-hmm. And um, I quit. You know, that was my, my first day on the job was pretty much my last. And that was really what started my entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. Um, really just to figure out, like, there's got to be a better way. And it wasn't like an arrogant way or anything that I thought at the time. It was just like, there's got to be a better way to make money than right. to do this. And thankfully my, you know, a number of my family members were involved with this company called Herbalife, mm-hmm. which is still around today, a multi-billion dollar organization. And I found myself, um, this was really my first introduction to personal development or what I didn't even, you don't even know what the heck that was at the time. Um, Cause I'd never really been, you know, you're, for the most part, we're all products of our environment, right? Yeah. Wherever you, you grow up and witnessing or um, hearing the thought patterns that we have, we just naturally become unsolicited products of our own environment. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started to intentionally get around other people that um, that really just had what I wanted. Yeah. At that time, it was money. Right. Like, I just wanted to make, go make some money. Right. right? I mean, first, it was the, the simple little things initially, like gas money and things like that. But I did find myself having to drive five hours one way up to Minneapolis to mm. surround myself with those like mindsetted people at right. that time. And in South Dakota, you get your license at like 12 or something, right? Pretty much. It's 14. Okay. 14. <laughs> but most everybody drives by 12 for sure. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at the age of 15 was driving back and forth uh, once a month from, from Minneapolis and uh, that's when, you know, back in the olden days when we still listened to CDs, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were past tapes at that time, but uh, a lot yeah. of audibles. My generation. Right? Yeah, tapes. right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a few years older than me. Um, <laughs> but that's when I got exposed to people like Zig Ziglar and Norman Vincent Peale and mm. just some of the OGs of like personal development and, and the first understanding of, man, I could actually think about what I think about, or I could choose my thoughts in, in understanding mm-hmm. that there's a perception to our reality. And, um, man, I became hooked. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, whatever you think about network marketing, uh, I love it. I love the environment. I love the culture because a lot of that really molded me to who I am today. And, yeah. and it was just that environment, that atmosphere that I was able to surround myself with. Yeah. So thinking of you growing up in South Dakota where didn't have much, you you saw people with money though you wanted that and you said i gotta do whatever they did to get that money and it's just so crazy to me because you're 15 years old driving up and down the highways to to be around these people listening to zig ziglar and all, all these personal development culture coaches and teachers and when i was that age i knew nothing of the sort i knew yeah. nothing of that world and honestly it wasn't really until uh, 
you came into my life that actually learned about personal development. I just mm-hmm. wasn't around it. So it, it's, it's just so funny how, you know, I, I feel like we have so much in common now, yeah. but we grow up in two completely different environments. And, but I don't think it was just that. I, I, I think that for you, there's some, you are hardwired for entrepreneurship. Sure. Like the gifting that you have is the ability to make money and praise the Lord that you are using that gift for the kingdom. Yeah. But yeah, for a lot of years I didn't. Yeah. Most definitely. Right. And I think uh, it's interesting what you just said, man, because, um, you weren't, you didn't think that you were an, around or involved with personal development, but bro, when you, the day you gave your life to Christ and now you're reading the living, breathing word of God, mm. the ultimate person personal development book, yeah. right? If that's your perspective of it. Right. Right. But if you're, I mean, and I think this goes to a lot of believers and Christians, if you're just looking at the, the Bible as a, uh, a rule book, Right. Maybe your perception is like, well, or a history book, history book, just old stories. And how do I apply them into my life? Is like, that's kind of when I had originally had given my life to Christ, you know, not long after, um, I've had given my life to entrepreneurship. We'll call Mm -hmm. it that, um, that I, I started to actually read the the Bible and then it's like, oh my goodness, like there's actual application to this thing. Mm. And now, you know, 22 years later, um, how I, I do see it in a, in a different perspective, even now, just as I've, I mean, it's just, that's just what I love about the word of God. Like it is truly the living, breathing word of God. Like yeah. it, it's, it never gets old. There's always new revelation and amazing things that God speaks to us mm-hmm. at different periods of time in all of our life. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like, it, I mean, just being around, even for you being around the King's council and all these amazing people that have this, this new growth mindset. And mm-hmm. it's like, we have a different perspective of how we're looking at things. Yeah. yeah. So powerful. So, so it is, it is. So tell me about that. You give your life to entrepreneurship then a couple of years later, give your life to Christ. Mm. And then I I know that being in a a community of believers at that early age really made an impact on you. Yeah. So much, so much. Well, yeah. So I I decided, you know, what I wanted to do, um, was, was go into entrepreneurship, build business. Um, and it, crazily enough, this is also a period of time in my life that I was like drinking every day, mm-hmm. you know, 15, um, started kind of at an, at an early age. Um, you know, some of my friends and I, we would literally drink before high school like mm-hmm. in the morning, like crazily. Right. Uh, and I was just, it was a, it was a, uh, I don't even know. I was just lost, just, mm-hmm. you know, not really knowing what I was doing with, with my life. Um, I don't think any kids really necessarily knows that at that young age, especially right. if it's not being modeled again, power of the environment that you're in. And, um, yeah, through really, it was like July 4th weekend of that summer of my, of being 15. And I had cheated on my girlfriend or, you know, just done mm-hmm. something really stupid. And I was just like, it was literally God just plucking me out from that environment. Um, I, f- I woke up, I think it was 4th of July day pretty much. And I ended up, I was just like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I drove up to Minnesota and I ended up spending the remaining six weeks of summer up there with my, lived with my sister, um, and brother-in-law I had my, my aunt was up there and I started to attend this tiny little church, this little mm-hmm. new Testament church that they were going to. And, um, bro, it was like so little, but it was like tambourine lady. Right. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy, but it was something spirit filled, very spirit filled. And it was just something <clears throat> that I was like back to, I want. I want what these people have. Mm-hmm. Like I remember just 
people coming in and praying the craziest prayers and them actually happening. It was just mm. like, this is nuts. Like yeah. I gotta be a part of this. Would and, you say that's the first time you really experienced the power of God at that church? Um, a power of God, maybe, maybe consciously, mm. if that makes sense. Because I remember a, at the age of like eight or nine, um, walking my, so my parents are divorced. I was at my mom and stepdad's house and just walking in their driveway. And I just remember a, a moment in time where I just really felt God's presence in my life and, mm. and just what it felt like a download at that point of like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to make a lot of money, which when you're a young kid, it's kind of just like, sweet. I'm going to go make, you know, lots of toys, get some yeah. candy, whatever it is. Um, and crazily, crazily enough, I, f I really forgot about that up until just a few years ago. Mm. Um, but that I think was a very impactful moment in my life, kind of an anchor that God was able to remind me of just recently about that time. But on a conscious level, like being in that environment in that little new Testament church, for sure. That was mm. like, this is, this is something that again, I just, I wanted to have that, that power of God in my life. And um, yeah, that's when I, I, I connected with the pastor there. Again, it was just like 30 people in this little community church. Mm -hmm. um, and he started, he would actually come over and we started just to read through the Bible. And I still have my notebook of notes of wow. like Abraham, Isaac. I was like geeking out to the genealogy mm -hmm. and in my little, uh, you know, hand drawings of the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, you know, Esau. And it was just like, yeah. it's so cool to look back at those notes. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, next question that comes to mind is, have you repented for, um, taking your girlfriend on dates to Walmart and Sizzler and then cheating on her? <laughs> I mean, you were, you were a terrible boyfriend. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have I repented? Yes. Yes. I mean, I guess I haven't like formally reached out to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, repent to God first. Yes. yes. But yeah, you confess your sins, you know, you know, you, you will be oh, made well. Man. Yes. Well, Stacy, if you ever listen to this, uh, forgive me for taking you to Walmart. Stacy, we got to track her down. <laughs> so, okay. So you get involved, you, you know, you are involved in this little church. And then tell me about that community uh, uh, with InterVarsity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll make this a little bit quick. I, I sure. went back, finished my junior year of high school, came up um, really just because of sports when you're in high school. But but this mm -hmm. was an interesting thing when I'd given my life to Christ. Now I was going back to my old environment, and I wasn't doing the things that I had done before. And you know, I'm in a high school of 130 kids total mm -hmm. all high school and so i really had no friends my yeah. junior and senior year of high school so it really it was it was rough but um it was just time that i think god was really kind of just maturing me through this process and moved up to literally the day i graduated high school moved officially up to minnesota and that's when i got plugged into this group called the inner varsity Christian fellowship. And that was really the first time I'd actually been in community of, of people like my same age. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the most impactful times of my life. That couple of years that I had gone to this community college and just, man, we would just be, we would just get together just to worship and, and pray mm -hmm. together. And we'd hit the streets of Minneapolis. And I know like that those bros, while I don't talk to really any of them on a regular basis anymore, I do know that there was a bond and a brotherhood there that, I feel like I could call any of them and they'd, they would be here yeah. at any given time. Yeah. yeah. Tribe is so important. So important. 
Yeah. And you, you think about tribe and, and being a part of a pack like that. You know, I was in athletics my whole life and until I had my back injury and mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize how much I missed that till I got involved in King's Council. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been a part of different church ministries for sure, but there there's something about within King's Council how there's such a brotherhood and there are women in there as well, but there's such deep rooted relationships yeah. and it, it I, like there's times I'm reminded of just taking like bus trips like back in the day with the with the squad and just yeah. like bugging out telling jokes and you know now clean jokes of course <laughs> right but it well, not all the time right, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> uh, um but yeah there, there's just something to that and how you know the the bible is clear like the power of numbers right mm-hmm. when it comes to prayer when it when it comes to um really accomplishing things in God's name. There's power in numbers and there, there's power in tribe. When you get a group of like-minded people together who share the same faith, who've been bonded by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's like, okay, th- this is what church is yeah. supposed to be, right? Yeah. This is what church is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's that was like probably one of my first, while I'd had that little, small little community, like church type environment, mm-hmm. um, and and then that network of, of dudes, like that was probably my real first understanding of like what church was. Yeah. Right? Or what it should be. Um, because you know, I think there's there's not a whole lot of church going on amongst a lot of churches right. in, in the country, or maybe that's for another podcast. Right. But right. um but yeah, that was one of the most impactful times in my life and and quickly though, as I was I was in while I was in school, I was still crushing business at the time, you know, mm. I was at 19 and I was slinging nutritional supplements, making, you know, 10 grand a month in, mm. you know, vitamin sales and things like that, working my freaking tail off. Yeah. Um, and that was my first kind of understanding of like really marketing and sales and creating uh, packages and, and bundling. And so I was learning a lot through this process. None of the, you know, I got, I ended up getting my associate's degree in exercise science, mm. right? Which is basically PE, the gym class. Right. Right. Um, but I, I was doing physical fitness training and things like that. Um, had some clients. And so it was just, again, kind of that entrepreneurial bug was just mm-hmm. still within me. And, um, I just was looking, my, my intent was to be, to become a chiropractor. Mm. And as I was, you know, just kind of looking at the landscape, my brother-in-law went to school. He still is a chiropractor. He has a practice today, but I realized like he was going, $150,000 in debt yeah. to then go start a business. Right. And it's not like he just got out of school and had patients. Like yeah. now he had to go build the business. And right. I thought, man, it's gotta be a better way than that. And, um, yeah, that's just when I started to look at other opportunities. Right. So tell me about that. I know, I mean, we, I don't know how long we've been going thus far, but we could probably sit here all night and, yeah. and talk, yeah. but I want you to tell me about Mexico. I want you to tell me about <laughs> Malaysia. I want you oh, to, Tell me about when you just had a couple hundred dollars to yeah. your name. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think we're all, if you've got this kind of ingrained, you know, or this wiring to you, um, we're, we're looking for opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. We're opportunity seekers. Um, sometimes, you know, opportunities are a lot like the bus stop, right? There's, if you just wait around long enough, there's always another one coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's taking, having discernment and, and trying to understand like, okay, is this the one that I want to hop on? Or is this the one I'm going to sure. take action on? And when you're young and, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of, 
uh, responsibilities, you can take a lot of a lot more risks, right? And so I was willing to take as many risks as I had. Like I wasn't, I didn't have, I had a girlfriend at this point in time. Um, well, technically fiance, but she was on board with me, willing to risk it all because mm. she, you know, allowed me to, you know, I had a lot of I had big dreams and, and big plans, and it was going to take big risk, you know, in my, my thought process at that time in order to make, make some things happen. And so through this process, you know, I was at, uh, well, 20 at the age of 20 had the opportunity with the Herbalife company to actually, um, open up operations in Malaysia mm. in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Mm. And there, I didn't even think I even heard of it. Cause I probably cheated my way through a geography class. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, I literally looked at the, the world map and it's, on. Um, the complete, literally complete opposite. If I went any further, it's like I was coming back. Um, and so I was like ground floor opportunity. Like, why wouldn't I do this? Right. And, um, I, I got connected. This was back, you know, 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. So, um, it wasn't like we were, you know, communicating the way we do now. Um, it's just like, Hey, uh, one of my mentors at the time put me in touch with this guy in North Carolina and he's like, yeah, bro, we got a place you can stay. And I was like, all right. So I booked my ticket and it was literally booked it from Jan like January 2nd, I think. And I booked a return flight for March and I was like, I'm heading over to Malaysia and wow. I got a couch to sleep on. And that was the plan. And, uh, my, my, I think my first flight was like 13 hours to Singapore. Yeah. I don't know. Excuse me. First landed in Tokyo. Um, had a, had a quick turnaround in Tokyo and then landed in Singapore. And then I had a 13 layover, 13 hour layover in Singapore, bro. And, uh, this was like, it was a complete train wreck at this right. point in time. I landed. Dude, you're like 20 years 20, old now. So, and I'd never, I mean, I'd been to the Bahamas, but I'd never been like, yeah, this, I mean, this is crazy. You just get on a plane. Uh, in 2004, I was snorting lines of crushed up Oxycontin. <laughs> and you're, well, you're just you, seeking... you were taking risks in other ways. <laughs> right. Risking my life every day. <laughs> right. But at 20 years old, just... And, and this is what I, I, I love about you is you are an opportunity seeker, but you're somebody who, once you get the green light on something, you're all in. You're all in. Yeah. Um, green light may be... Uh, I mean, back then it was just more of like, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of mentorship from a spiritual standpoint of mm -hmm. seeking God on making decisions. For me, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, there's an opportunity. Well, let's go. And, and, you know, I think the older I've gotten, um, and more responsibility that I've, I've had to take on, you know, I'm seeking more counsel and different things like that. But, um, and I think that's, if you're a young entrepreneur, like what an incredible time to go do things like this. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be scary. They're going to, you're going to freak out. I completely freaked out, uh, in Singapore on, in that airport. Somehow I, you know, I had straight panic attack, uh, and somehow, I don't know how, but I, I ended up getting on my flight to Kuala Lumpur, which is like another hour North from Singapore. And I landed, uh, and you know, I'm just like a train wreck right now, like anxiety city, no mm -hmm. sleep. Um, and I got in my taxi at the time and I had an address. That was it. Like the, nobody spoke like, yeah. it was, it was crazy. It was scary. Um, and I, I got in to this apartment complex, which is, you know, do you remember like the two tallest buildings in the world? Like that's downtown Kuala Lumpur. And 
my apartment at this time was like two blocks from there. So I'm driving into the city or riding into the city. Uh, you know, they drive on the other side of the road there. And so it was just total culture shock. Yeah. Um, but I got to the couch. Everybody's still s- sleeping because it's like four in the morning there at that point in time. I just land face first on this couch. And so you just walked in? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I hope this is the place, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> it looked like some American people were staying there because I'd never met anybody. Right. I mean, I've seen a picture of one of the guys. Uh, um, and I... I crashed for maybe an hour or two and woke up and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And I got a taxi back to the airport, begged, pleaded, lied. I I think I said that my dad was dying or something like that with Delta because my return flight wasn't until March. Right. And I, I, I didn't have money at yeah. the time. I, I, I had a decent amount, but it wasn't like I had, I had made a decent amount, but I was spending a ton on marketing and I was just trying to figure this thing out. And and so they actually were able to transfer my ticket um, just through me straight line to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but found myself on a flight home, man. I landed, and this is when it was just like, what are you doing with your life, Riley? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of think this was my one of my you know, midlife crisis points. And it was really just a reality check. Like, am I just, you know, I'm not going to school anymore. Uh, and I had that that thought of like, you know, do I have to go to school to make something out of myself? Should I be a doctor to have that title? Um, and I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do here. And I ended up getting my series six, 63 life and health, um, mm. became an insurance agent for a couple months, um, until I realized I didn't want to do that. Mm. Right. And it was the thing that I did is I always took action on, I wanted to find out, was it for me or not? Yeah. And, and if you're young enough, you don't, it doesn't matter what your age is action is going to bring clarity, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's the wrong action, um, at least you figured that out quicker. Yeah. Right? Obviously don't be taking stupid risks. Like you're going to lose your life or anything like that. But if you have the ability to make some wrong decisions, then just make a decision quicker. Yeah. Right. Even if it's wrong, you can pivot and make another decision. And that's just what I kept doing. Um, one of those, then I would, I, you know, I went on from selling siding and windows to business valuations. And again, I was making six figures in sales. I love the idea of being an independent contractor, the, the thought process or understanding that you could, you know, what they'd always tell you is that you can earn what you're worth mm-hmm. from a sales standpoint. And I, I wanted to believe that, but I didn't really truly believe that really just because, you know, there's only a certain amount of time in a day. Mm-hmm. Right. And could I build maybe a sales team or manage some people? Sure. But there's still a certain amount of time in a day when I'm, when I'm, only getting paid off of something that I'm selling or even if it's people that I'm managing. And so as much as I liked that idea, it was like, well, I just got to work more, sell higher ticket products. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of what I did. Um, but I did through that process, I'd made some decent money. I had some you know, cash in the bank and I wanted to get back into fitness and, and nutrition was really what I like to do, but I didn't want to go work for somebody. So I bought an anytime fitness mm-hmm. franchise. So uh, at the age of 20, Four, at this point in time, I had purchased an Anytime Fitness franchise, first brick and mortar business, and man, I'd never worked harder in my life. No joke on this. Never worked harder in my life and made so little mm. by owning this lease of a building, um, which was you know in Burnsville, Minnesota. You know, I, was, I was paying like nine grand a month just to have this facility. I needed six hundred members just to break even. Any of our gym owners out there, are out there, you know what I'm talking about. Just the nightmare of the overhead. Uh, wouldn't trade anything 
in the world for that, but it was, it was a great learning experience. Right. And, but again, I quickly realized I don't want to do this very long. Yeah. Um, found somebody to kind of transition into that and took advantage of another opportunity in Mexico. Mm. And, uh, this was one that I thought, man, this one's going to be it, right? <laughs> this is another ground floor opportunity. And, um, spent five months in Mexico, at least out my condo, uh, was married at the time now and uh, had leased out our condo. We had a little one bedroom condo and I was, uh, spent about five months in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And up until then it was like, things were going great down there. I was traveling by bus into Guadalajara, Mexico, uh, like a five hour bus ride once a week I would take which is a nightmare. I'll never forget like bimbo bread, make me want to vomit. Um, but, uh, great learning experience, but again, traveling in a, in a, in an environment where people just, you don't speak the language I could get around, but I wasn't like I was speaking full sentences or right. anything like that. And, and, uh, as things were going well down there, uh, about five months into this, the government came in and said, yeah, you guys can't be here anymore. Mm. And so they essentially, I don't think the palms were getting greased well enough from, right from the powers that be. And, uh, essentially they said, you gotta, you gotta get out of here. And so I found myself on a flight back to the United States and on that flight, man, that's was kind of my second midlife crisis mm. at the age of 24. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's really when I realized I'm on a flight back, I'd invested all of my money for the mm. most part. Um, I still had the gym, but it was, a, it was bleeding heavily. Um, we had our condo, uh, but we had leased it out. So on the flight back, I realized not only was I like broke, but I was like freaking homeless at yeah. this point in time too. So my wife and I found ourselves sleeping on my sister's couch and, um, this would have been 2010. And I realized like, what am I going to do? This is, mm -hmm. this is, uh, again, kind of a, a low, low point in my life, but I spent some time just seeking, like I, I knew I could go get a job if I needed to, but I didn't really want to. Um, I wanted, I felt like there was something more for me. And so just kept seeking different opportunities. And of course, you know, the only, the smartest thing anybody could do at that time is to get your wife pregnant, right? You don't have any money. You don't have a place to live. You yeah. might as well have a child. Sure. And so that's what we did. <laughs> and, and, um, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those things when your back's against the wall, you're just going to figure this thing out. Right. And thankfully through an ad on Craigslist, um, I came across this new concept that it's something that just completely rocked me and it was selling to groups of people mm -hmm. selling one to many versus everything that I had done up until this point, which is really, um, one-on-one -on -one sales. And it's, it, it was like inventing fire the first time I saw this thing. Mm -hmm. And it was literally a, a dude doing a seminar, uh, not, you know, not even a great one for that matter, but he did a, a presentation to a group of people. And then he simply asked them, for an appointment to meet with him one-on-one. -on -one. And I was like, holy cow, if this guy could do this, I'm going to get rich. Yeah. And I uh, took some of his ideas and concepts and July then of that year, man, I had 673 bucks in my bank account. Thankfully I had a credit card, but I had a freaking burning desire for more. It was yeah. like, I have to make this thing work. And so I uh, rolled the dice and first, first event made a few sales and kept reinvesting back into the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of things that I had done maybe leading up to this would have been, I'd make some cash and I'd spend it, mm -hmm. make some cash and I'd spend it. Um, but interesting enough, when I look back, I realized like this was one of the times in my life too, that I had actually committed to tithing mm -hmm. and I'd committed to, um, 
seeking God on, on things of like giving above and beyond. And, you know, many stories on that, that I could, could talk about, but this is, that was the first year that we went from, you know, six figures to the first seven years or first year of seven figures. Actually, we did that in six months Wow, from 673 bucks to 2.1 million yeah. over six months. Wow. So yeah, long eyes. What else you want me to rip up? <laughs> no, this is good. This is good. Um, so you mentioned how when your parents divorced, mm-hmm. you had kind of made a vow that you would never allow your kid to go mm-hmm. through that. Yeah. But you mentioned, you know, obviously yeah. it did. Yeah. Power of, again, power of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went that year uh, 673 bucks to... 2.1 million realized, okay, this thing works, uh, really poured some gas on this. And in 2012, then did 12 million that year, another 12 million. And, and they were, we had good margins doing this. And so, um, we, I had the ability to pretty much do what I wanted when I wanted, where I wanted, sure. who I wanted. And I realized now looking back, you know, money really only makes us more of who we already are. And I realized I was not that great of a mm. dude. And so went through a divorce, um, the thing that I vowed that I would never do, you yeah. know, not long after Ellie was born. And, and it was a super interesting time for both for Sarah and myself, um, and even Ashley, who I met during this time and put her through hell, mm-hmm. um, as I was just like, you know, trying to really figure out myself, I think in in that situation, but ultimately making bad decisions because of the opportunities that money gave me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was seeking fulfillment in a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I found myself, um, you know, we talk a lot about now being the, the thermometer or the thermostat. And I was absolutely a reflection of the environment that I was in just mm-hmm. like a thermometer. And so, um, it took, you know, a few years for God to really get a hold of me on this. Thankfully, allowed me to to grow through this, mm-hmm. and um, and have a have a great relationship with with Sarah now, and um, and 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 you know, her and Ashley have a, have a great relationship as well, which I'm very very blessed to to that God had allowed that to happen. Yeah, um, because both do both those girls have every right to hate me. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so but, what is uh, what's her name from uh, high school? Stacy, that was Stacy. Stacy, yeah. she yeah. definitely hates you. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard you say many times that money is a great magnifier. Mm-hmm. So now you say you're not a good dude at this point in your life. You're making all this dough, and it just kind of was like pouring gasoline on a fire of just being yeah. not a good dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't even. I mean, I had good intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, but. You know, that's, that's really meaningless. And it's, I think why we talk a lot about, um, now again, part of the whole reason that we have King's council is obviously God, I feel has placed this on our, on our shoulders to this mantle, I guess we'll call it of this movement that we're creating. But part of it is, is really just, um, teaching kingdom entrepreneurship and understanding that I still really believe we're going to create millions and millions and billions of dollars, uh, within this group of, of kingdom entrepreneurs, uh, which is great. It's needed. Um, I mean, I think there's part of the reason scripture talks about it 
thousands of times, literally thousands of times about money, wealth, and possessions in the Bible. Isn't that we shouldn't have it, uh, but it's, it's, you know, giving us an understanding of the power that we give it. Right. And, you know, scripture tells us we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve both God and, and money or mammon, mm-hmm. depending upon the translation you're reading. And that's the, the spirit or the power of money over us. And yeah. so it's not, I mean, money in itself is not evil. We know that it's, it's the power that we give it no different than the value that, that you put on it. It's, you know, who are you going to serve in this situation? Is it God or is it money? Mm -hmm. And most of the time, every decision that we're making is there's money is involved in some aspect of it. Right. And so if we are truly not just looking to Jesus as savior, because at that point in time in my life, I, I was, I was like, okay, I checked the box. Um, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go, you know, do my thing and I'm going to get into heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I mean, I'm, this isn't a theological episode, but I don't know. Like I did, I would, would I have, I don't know. There's a, I think so many of us are looking to Jesus as savior. And so few of us are looking to him as Lord. Right. And it wasn't until I've truly submitted my life as to him to be Lord of my life. Um, that I really had a lot of the revelation and things like that, that, that we have now and, and how King's council is really birthed. And that's just in the last couple of years. Yeah. Just the last few years, man. Yeah. I mean, really it was, you know, 2019 from the outside looking in Ash and I'd got married in 2016. We, we struggled through a lot. Like, dude, I, this is how I know God exists. It's just like that her and I made it. Yeah. And from 20 met her in 2012 to uh, crazy off and on stories actually got married in 2016 and 2019 were like, you know, we, again, still money was coming in and it was, we had a pretty good life mm-hmm. um, from the outside looking in. Right. But at the core of what we were doing, man, we were empty. We were broken. We were just like had zero fulfillment in anything that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, drinking a ton and it was just the fall of night of 2019. It was just like, God, is this really what life's about just mm-hmm. to go start another business or go make money and real realizing that, you know, you can find yourself, you can be incredibly successful from the world standpoint at a lot of things mm-hmm. and still feel like a failure. If you're not operating for the God given intended purpose of why you are created. Right. And I think, I mean, that's for everybody. This is why, you know, it doesn't matter the amount of wealth that you're accumulating or the, or, or not for that matter it has very little to do with, with money or wealth or possessions at all. Now, if you've been given that gifting and that ability, and I think all of us, if you live in America, first off, you're freaking blessed and you have yeah. no, I don't, I don't care your, your race, your religion, uh, your, uh, you have no right to. to complain about the opportunities that you have or don't have because we are so blessed to and and it's just a matter of if the perspective that we're going to look at like we talked about that earlier but like are you going to take action and i think living in this country we are incredibly blessed so there's no reason why we don't take action and don't make the wealth that we've been given the ability to make here right right and but ultimately making it knowing why why we're getting up every day, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that it's, it's, it's for much more than just to go get the big house or get the jet or the Island or whatever it was. Like yeah. these are some of my goals at, at a time in my life and, and realizing like what the ultimate purpose is now. And mm-hmm. it, that was, 
you know, fall of 2019. Yeah. And all of that started coming to perspective for Ash yeah. and I. So the ultimate purpose, what would you say your ultimate purpose is on this earth? To love God, to know him, to pursue him more and more every day mm-hmm. and then let others know of him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really like, if we're doing that, no matter what, so many people like are trying to find out what their calling is in life. And it's like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, here's what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to love God and to know him more and to pursue him more and to become closer and closer in relationship with him. And if you seek the caller, your calling will absolutely find you. The problem is so many people are seeking the, their calling, missing out on the actual caller. Yeah. And um, I mean, I believe that's just what, what our creator wants most from all of us is just to seek him yeah. and, and to fully submit their life to him and not just looking at him. So many of us just want to get into heaven, but the kingdom of heaven, man, it, the moment you give your life to Christ, you now enter into this new realm, this, this authoritative position that so many of us are just not operating in. Yeah. Right. And, and we're, we're like thinking we, we've, it's like, imagine just this incredible mansion, this beautiful home that you just, you get to the door, but you never actually step in and operate and get to enjoy the freedom and the experiences of God's reign and rule in your life. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Now I, I sense even a bit of humility when you say that I don't disagree with anything you said and what your purpose is, but I believe the purpose that you have is to really be the good Samaritan and to raise up other good Samaritans. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know the story of the good Samaritan guy gets beaten up, uh, robbed, left for dead on the side of the road, the, the priest passing by, the Levites passing by, and, um, you know, this good Samaritan comes along, he gets him up, fixes him up, takes him to the inn uh, to be looked after, and he leaves and says, you know, whatever this man's bill is, it's on me, mm-hmm. essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I see you, it, it, it's just... It's been an honor and a pleasure to see your personal spiritual journey over these last couple of years because I kind of met you right when yeah. you, when you made that commitment or yeah. recommitment to really make Jesus Lord of your life mm-hmm. and to see how much that you've grown and to see you go from like coaching business to like preaching the gospel, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like Lucy calls you bishop or pastor <laughs> from time to time right. um, because that's that's your heart. And it, yeah. isn't it remarkable that the best um, business coaching comes straight from Scripture? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. Back to the ultimate personal development book. It's so incredible what God's given us. If right. we're, I mean, if we're looking for it, right? It's so many, again, just are, number one, I don't, I don't think most self-proclaimed Christians are just not spending time in the word of God. Right. And so many of us are seeking, uh, from, you know, even listening to this podcast, while this podcast is, is good and hopefully helpful at the end of the day, it's nothing compared to just spending time in the word of God, spending time in scripture and in prayer, mm-hmm. right? There's such power to just being intentional with, with spending time with your creator. And then, you know, seeking other sources like this or reading other books, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't let that be your primary source. Yeah of how you're interpreting the Bible. 
take ownership for yourself and spend some time in the Word. Yeah, definitely. Let it be secondary. Any podcast you listen to, any book that you read, if it's not the Bible, Mm -hmm. and it gets me because people read all the time or ask all the time, how many books have you read this year? They challenge themselves of just how many books per month. And I'm like, uh, still in the Bible. uh, And I don't read, and maybe I should read more. I don't read many books outside of the Bible, um, but I... I don't feel the the need to or the urge to. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that content I get from honestly, like coaching from guys like you and conversations like that. And I know it's good as uh, to be supplemental to the, yeah. that that primary meal uh, of the Bible. But so many people they they read in all these books and all these gurus and right. like what about uh you know like maybe read a psalm every now and then right. you know like. So, and, yeah. and they miss out on that. And I think, um, it is somewhat of an indictment on the church because the church, the, the church, there's a ton of great churches out there, a ton of great sure. pastors, but I've seen too many that my stomach can handle, uh, that just don't teach the word of God. Right. They don't encourage reading the word of God on your own. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is the primary source. Everybody wants to hear from God. Uh, you got a word for me. Got a word for me. Oh yeah, I, I got a word for you. It, it's right here in this book. Right. Yeah. Literally, I mean, Joshua what, one one nine. It's like if if any of you listening, you want to know how to be successful because mm-hmm. I was on a, a mission to really understand this and and seeking fulfillment, even just not really seeking it from like God, uh, but just actually reading scripture. It's like, okay, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do, reveal it to me and, and spending time in the word of God. And it literally says, if you want to be successful, I think it's the only reference of being successful throughout the Bible is, uh, if you want to be six or what does it say? If, uh, meditate on the word day, day and night, night yeah. then you will be prosperous and successful. Like anytime you see the word then, like go back and read the few words Mm. prior to that, because that's literally, it's like, it's a cause and an effect. Like if you want to know how to be successful, meditate on the word of God. And it doesn't mean like, Oh, just rush through the Bible, read it in a year, check the box. Like a lot of entrepreneurs. And I'm going to call some of you out on that. Like, cause I'm, I was that way. It's like, how quickly could I read through the Bible to check the box and be like, okay, I'm accomplished it. What's next. Right. There's such power in meditating on even a screw few scriptures, a few verses on a daily basis, then you will be prosperous and successful. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's good stuff. Well, man, we're about 40 minutes, 45 minutes yeah. into this. And, uh, it's getting, getting late. It's getting late. You got a flight in about six hours or so. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. we can wrap this up. But I, I want to, I don't think you've ever promoted this website on the King's Council podcast, but RileyMeek.com. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a website. It's a great website. It has a, a lot of information about you, about King's Council about how to hear this podcast if uh different ways like through pray.com awesome partners of ours yeah <coughs> so yeah great partners. um you have any last words uh, on this yeah i mean you had mentioned the good samaritan and and really just kind of the evolution over the past few years um guys this is really what has what i felt really unlocked me as an entrepreneur because when you're an entrepreneur and you're you're maybe maybe you've been doing this church thing for a while, um, the way that I was kind of one toe in one toe out, not fully committing because it's kind of like, well, you know, I I don't really, I feel like I'm supposed to be making money, but is that bad 
uh, is like, can I do that and still be a good Christian? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until really reading through the parable of the town, or I mean, excuse me, the parable of the, the good, good Samaritan once again. And this is again, back to what, how we open this, like the living, breathing word of God, how you can read the same verse over and over and over again, and how it, God speaks to you differently at different points in your life. And this is a primary time in my life a few years ago where it was, this is really what unlocked me in reading that parable and knowing that the, the command to go and do likewise, a lot of people will read that, that parable and, and, you know, have different interpretations of what it really, really meant with there's a Jew passed on the other side of the street, to, or excuse me, a priest passed on the other side of the street, a Levite passed on the other side. And then this Samaritan who the Jews hated Samaritans at the mm-hmm. time, and in my sick brain, like I, I just viewed this person as a, a businessman going through town, and and um, you know took care of him, paid for him, put him on his own donkey, went to the inn, and then said, "If there's any debt due, I'm gonna, I'll be back, and I'm gonna take care of that." Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus asked which one showed mercy, of course it was the Samaritan, and then his command is to go and do likewise. And God, I felt like just hit me when I read that verse one more time and it was like, man, it is incredibly expensive to be the type of Christian that Jesus calls us to be. Yeah. If I'm going to have to pay, not have to, if I'm going to get to pay for somebody like that, that's in need, that, that needs help that, that I can, if I'm going to be able to take the time, even think about that, this Samaritan's on a business trip. Now he's like pulled over to the side of the road. Think of how many we're just so hustling and bustling, like to the next appointment, to the next meeting, to the next flight I got to catch to get to the town. And it's like, Oh snap, there's somebody in need. And if I'm an entrepreneur, I can take the time because I make my schedule. I'm telling money what to do. Not, not, you know, working because what somebody else tells me I have to do to make money being a slave to that. But I can have the flexibility, the time to spend some time to speak life into somebody, to bandage them up, to take them to the Mm -hmm. end and then say, you good? Cool, man. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm going to go on, conduct some business, and then come back and take right. care of them. And I was like, that's the type of Christian that I want to be. Amen. And we've got every ability to do that here. And, you know, that's really part of why we've, we've created the King's Council. Yeah. And, and to be the, the catalyst, so to say, or really the, the extension of the local church to serve entrepreneurs, those that have that heart, that hunger, that desire, that feel like, you know what? God has called me to make money and God has given me that ability and doggone it. I'm going to walk in it and, yeah. and have the freedom and the authority to be around people that we're not, we're not glorifying money. We're, we're glorifying God by our ability to make money. Right. And we are not saved by any of our works that we do here on this earth. But scripture tells us that we are saved for good works prepared in advance for us to do. And I believe God has prepared in advance for us to go and create wealth and bring the spoils of of the kingdom back to uh, back to us right now to have that authority to create this new uh, level of wealth and authority and ultimately be the second the catalyst to the second coming of Christ. Like that's this movement that I know God has us on. And I just want to throw this out. Like if you're listening to this and you're looking for tribe and community and you're Mm -hmm. like, I like this. I I love what they're, they're spitting right now. Join us. We we have calls on a regular basis. um, Or even I would just say, text the word King Mm -hmm. K I N G to seven, two, seven, four, seven, two, three, eight, six, zero. And myself or Christian will be happy 
to hop on the phone with you and just talk about what it's like to actually be within the King's Council community. Yeah, and uh, we are a community of guys who have somewhat, not all of us, but been shunned by our churches for desiring to make money, mm. to do kingdom business with that money. Aaron Jennings. be greedy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a gentleman on our team, Aaron Jennings, just shared with us the other day, uh, God called him and his wife to sell everything, move to Kenya, be missionaries. And while he's there, he's like, this this stinks. We have no money. Uh, if we had money, we could do even more with it while we're here. So he started a business that where he could create passive income while he's in Kenya, just have some cash flow right. coming in. And he got shunned by all the other missionaries. Yeah. For being greedy. Less, yeah, less godly, right? Right. That, that's freaking unbelievable. That's crazy. And, and for the enemy to be able to um, to just create this lie that mm. the church believes, um, man, I, I'm, I love being around guys who are crushing in business yeah. and love the Lord. Because one thing that I know about you, because I've been a personal beneficiary of it, is your generosity. Mm. So people want to talk crap about oh this guy's making all this money and oh i don't even want to hear it because <laughs> i've seen you not only i mean you've changed absolutely changed my life with your generosity mm-hmm. and i've seen you do it for a lot of other people as well so honor to you and we could close it out at that but yeah, yeah if you're if you're interested in being a part of this tribe text that number that riley mentioned um our website kingscouncilcommunity.org um yeah, we're running this race together. Yeah. Uh, we're putting in work in Jesus' name, taking territory. and Yeah, well, we can't do it alone. We, yeah. And it, it's not going to happen alone. As we right. create this kingdom economy, it takes more and more people, more and more listeners like you guys um, that are that are ready just to truly take action and, yeah. and, and not just live this life by, by default, uh, letting life just happen to us, but be intentional and in making life happen for us. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately what that does, not only for you and, and the other recipients of, of your generosity, but if you have kids, the, the leading by example, the representation, the legacy that you are creating happens by living your legacy mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Boom. Amen. Mic drop. There it is. All right. We'll close out with that. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Get some shut up, brother. Yes. Love you, man. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at King's Council Coaching. We'll see you next time.